You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs, and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're joined by Felix Margot, who is the co-founder and chief of crypto at Space. Space is a commerce-focused virtual world that allows people and businesses to build their own unique commerce spaces for everything ranging from clothing brands to art galleries to many more things. Felix has also in the past been a co-founder of Dash Next, which is the Asia-focused arm of the popular cryptocurrency Dash. With that, Felix, a very warm welcome to you on our show from both Nikhil and myself. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you for the invite. So, uh, could you start off by telling us about your background, uh, where you began your crypto journey, and uh, how it's been so far? Yeah, happy to share. I'm in this space for a very long time. It feels like forever. I think everybody who is in the space is starting to count in dog years, meaning one year feels at least like seven years because so many things are happening. I started off in 2014 by writing a book about Bitcoin because I was wondering how to buy Bitcoin back in the day. And this led to a whole journey of opening doors and wondering what's behind. Um, fast forward, we founded... Um, Dash Next in uh, Asia, meaning we brought Dash basically to Asia. Dash was the first Bitcoin fork, the first DAO in the, wor- uh, in the world. And yeah, when we started, there was you know not much crypto adoption. Everybody was talking about crypto payments, but we tried to find these crypto payments and realized it's not really there. So we went out um, onboarding noodle shops, onboarding a lot of stores starting in Thailand and then scaling this uh, all over Asia onboarding uh, more and more bigger um, bigger partners such as PSPs, payment service providers, and so on. And now I'm the co-founder of Space, and I think this is why uh, I was invited here today. Super excited. Now we're building a metaverse. We're building a social commerce metaverse. It's called Space. A great team has founded that, and uh, it has been a great journey so far. Uh, I, I just want to mention, uh, we noticed in your profile that uh, you're also a guest lecturer at UCLA. And uh, this is the first time we're having somebody on the show who has a teaching background as well. So uh, could you just briefly touch on how do universities view blockchain and crypto as a technology? Uh, are, are there full-blown curriculums uh, as yet? Or is it is it like a subset of finance? And how do uh, students view it You know, for their careers? Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your experience teaching about blockchain and crypto? Fantastic. Actually, one thing I left out in this intro was that uh, kind of this educational background was always a big part of me coming to blockchain. I mentioned this book we wrote in 2014, which was really, you know, about bringing people along this journey, how to enter the the crypto space, how to enter the blockchain space. Because for everybody, I think it's a very hard uh, thing to start somewhere. You know, you hear about crypto, where you kind of don't know where to start. Um, It's it's followed was a blockchain academy called the blockchain institute that we founded in 2017 
um, with partners in Germany where we were um, trying to educate corporations how to enter this crypto space because also there, you know, a lot of banks were talking about blockchain, talking about crypto, but it turns out they're not using it. You know, there was so many articles, Hyperledger and so on. But if you look really into these corporations, you found out there was not much going on. There was, you know, just one media article, but not really a use case or not really anything that is happening. Um, coming to UCLA question, I know Alex Nascimento. Um, we became friends. He is the founder of the kind of the blockchain institute in uh, UCLA. So he spin up this course about crypto and he invited me as a guest lecturer. So kind of we made a recording um, explaining DeFi. And I think, you know, the reason why I was there because I kind of uh, was explaining uh, Alex very at the very beginning of DeFi, you know, what it is all about, how to use it. And, you know, he was fascinated and invited me to um, join his course at UCLA. Yeah. And, you know, this is how it happened. But as you just mentioned it, it really made me aware that I have to update this course because uh, we recorded it, when was that, like two years ago? Um, and the space is moving so fast, so probably it's all completely outdated. The book I wrote is outdated, the academy is fun <laughs> up, and of course this DeFi course. But yeah, maybe one word to that. I, you know, when I discovered DeFi, there was a time of uh, sushi swap starting, and I remember I was sitting there waiting for the farming program to to start and we were like aping in and it felt like you know it felt like playing world of warcraft super hyped and i lost my sleep in DeFi. you know what i say now wonderful great so uh to jump into the work that you've been doing building crypto projects uh in the past few years uh, I guess I'll start off with your work with Dash. Like you mentioned, you you know you co-founded Dash Next, which is basically the Asian arm of Dash. Uh, could you shed some light on how Asia as a whole is different from the West in terms of crypto usage and uh, and adoption? I love that question. Thank you for asking that. It's uh, one thing that is really fascinating because you know we Europeans or Americans from the West we tend to look at crypto in you know in front of our doorstep meaning we really kind of have a hard time to to take the perspective of somebody who's living in asia or other other countries so what i've realized is that you know crypto is not crypto there's many different ecosystems there's so many different countries and people that really have kind of different struggle and different problems i think you know this became super apparent with what happened with axis infinity where we see where we saw millions of players you know aping in and realizing it's really a job for them you know earning 500 bucks makes such a huge difference it really means like you can replace your job by playing a crypto game and this is exactly what happened so you know we since we we did that we saw a lot of potential in asia we saw a lot of talent here a lot of different projects that that are coming i mean plus also asia to be fair it's not asia you know, it's, there's, there's so many different countries in Asia. It's a completely different story if you talk to about the Chinese ecosystem, the Vietnamese ecosystem, the Thai Indonesian ecosystem. So all of these, you know, have, have like huge differences. Um, we were, we were bringing Dash here. So of course we approached all that kind of from a payment perspective. And if you look at that, you see there's a lot of differences in, um, country regulations there's so many different currencies in asia 
So, you know, every country by itself was a challenge. There were different players, different regulations, different governments, different players in the ecosystem, different companies popping up. So, you know, you could uh, easily say it was a big of a headache to enter every new country and, you know, uh, Definitely. Not, not to crack. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, like you just mentioned, you know, it's uh, the ecosystem is so different. Asia, Asia is such a huge place, and like it's uh, so many different environments, uh, regulatorily speaking. So, uh, like, how how do you you view this? How how do you think uh, ideally, you know, a government should look at crypto? Like, should it look at it as a currency or or as an asset class, or how do you see the future? You know, like where where crypto would actually be accepted in society? I see it as a it's the story of the internet, you know, the constant evolution of things. I think uh, one thing I learned about crypto is that I don't know what's happening next month in crypto. And to <laughs> embrace that, I think it's the best approach you can take, you know. At the same time, a lot of things seem now, you know, in hindsight, it's inevitable. It's what they say in crypto. And uh, I think if you approach it from that, it kind of totally makes sense, right? I mean, we came from a Bitcoin is payment narrative to an ICO narrative, to a DeFi narrative, to an NFT metaverse and a million other things narrative. And, you know, now we are remixing these narratives to find something else. So, you know, I think it was in hindsight, the obvious thing that we are rebuilding the financial infrastructure with crypto assets. And it's kind of now an inevitable thing that we are bringing digital originals in the form of NFT um, to the market and remixing those with DeFi. Right. And I think this is where, you know, where we can see a lot of things happening next year, you know, just wait for uh, a gaming item to be collateralized to take a loan for your house. Actually, that, that uh, led me to kind of like a thought and I wanted to kind of share it and get your perspective on it, Felix. So uh, you did mention, you know, the evolution of uh, crypto and how it was the payment narrative and then it became the ICOs and DeFi and all of that. Uh, but w one thing that I kind of noticed is that uh, probably after NFTs, probably NFTs and metaverse is probably kind of like the first kind of initial big foray into a non-financial you know space so because before if you look at it payments well it was obviously trying to replace cash um, the icos were if you look at it roughly trying to do raising money or uh, vc investment type of deals that are trying to decentralize the uh, investment uh, idea and uh, DeFi is a very obvious play. And if you look at the logical end of DeFi, you see derivatives and uh, uh, loaning and collateral and automated money markets, which is essentially kind of almost like building the financial infrastructure in a decentralized manner, right? But w when you look at NFTs and, and uh, metaverses, uh, you start to see kind of like, oh, okay, this is one of the first times I think or at least in a big way, uh, people have started using the blockchain idea for a non-financial use case. I have kind of like, like a two-edged kind of question. So uh, one, one, of, one part of it is that, do you think there is more potential here uh, given, you know, how the other financial use cases have played out so far? 
or do you think that uh, and 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 if if it has got more potential do you think that blockchains would eventually move more into this part of the this side of the coin so to speak the non financial use case side of the economy or do you think they'll always have some kind of financial aspect to them and just to put a supporting point to what nikhil just mentioned and just to kind of piggyback on that you know like uh, he mentioned about uh, how it was viewed as this means of payment in, uh, initially and uh, i mean and any time there has been some kind of a political or other sort of unrest somewhere in the world people have viewed it as an ideal environment for crypto to gain adoption right but uh, i mean whether it's this ongoing situation between russia and ukraine or uh, the hyperinflation in venezuela a few years back but you know it's it's kind of evident that crypto did not really make a huge impact uh, you know in, in terms of adoption as a means of payment so what are your thoughts on that look i have a i'm i'm still trying to crack that nut to be honest i think we could all agree that we are still far away from the tipping point of what you could call like you know the the AOL moment in the internet where suddenly you know millions of people are are throwing in i keep saying for now for me it's simple if you you know enable crypto people to make money they like you if you enable them to make money and have fun they like you and they will come back so i think this is the first kind of way to adoption i think a second part that is still missing in this in this space is is putting technology in the background i think if you look at the history of kind of all kinds of technology take you know the internet AOL Netscape take uh the iPhone with you know like uh, an easy swipe left swipe right swipe right experience it kind of always takes away the the hassle of really learning technology and you know entering kind of a console to to you know ms dos console to to do something with your computer i think we still didn't reach that point and you know in that sense the it's fantastic that we're now exploring new use cases obviously there is uh, a lot of potential in gaming also because there is a lot of young people that probably um know and use technology in a completely different way than we do but we are still far away from that um i think the metaverse is a great um opportunity because you know the way we approach it in space is to say look there is like billions of people who are actually somewhat grown up in the metaverse i think now if you talk to anyone who is like 20 years or less they will have had some experience playing roblox playing minecraft it's just somewhat a you know common knowledge of of young people right so still it's hard to add the crypto wallet into minecraft and into roblox so i think this is still a challenge but um yeah i hope we will find good ui solutions that will make it super easy to you know to not think about keys or security or you know all these things that actually make it dangerous and bothersome to use crypto until this point when you guys agree uh yeah sure but to kind of uh push back a little bit uh, uh on that was uh but do you really think it's a usability issue right so do you really feel that hey okay if we make it somehow there is a magic thing that comes around uh, i don't know somebody was talking about an orb that takes your 
retina the other day and uh, 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 retina scan and then using that as an idea or something. Uh, There are many, many ideas around making the usability better. But uh, to go back to the point about, uh, so does introducing a crypto wallet into a metaverse and making it very seamless or very easy make allow it to kind of replace the the cash or the regular in financial system as a means of payment i think that's still an open question right because uh based on our experiences or based on what we have seen with uh, venezuela and even el salvador uh it it's a it's it's not simply a matter of building a better app right and there's also kind of like a uh, a mental leap uh, that needs to be made and kind of like an embracing uh, from the perspective of the authorities uh, as well because without that i don't think uh, i mean so far at least i haven't seen uh, uh, any growth despite that I mean, regulations all, always seem to be coming up as a roadblock there so don't you think that's kind of like an important piece to the whole puzzle? No, of course. And that makes crypto kind of the, the hard nut to crack, right? Because you run into regulatory issues the same as you run into usability issues. But I think it's since a few months ago, suddenly you, you, you see solutions where, you know, you can log in with a Google login and in the background, somebody's making a wallet for you that is, that is custodial and in some, some way insured. You know, I think it will take time for these solutions to pop up, but but it's again to the same point. You know, it's like you 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 cannot put that on the user. Obviously, the whole architecture is way better to say it's a it's a private public key architecture where you do not need to to store your passwords on 500 different servers around the internet. <laughs> and you know, mm-hmm. once you're hacked, you you really got got problems, right? So. The architecture is obviously better, to, but the, the interface to log into this architecture is somewhat lagging. And of course, you know, this, this architecture requires regulatory things um, in the background. But this is why, again, you know, if you have a custody wallet that is somewhat completely regulated in a certain jurisdiction and insured in a certain jurisdiction, it will you know, hopefully make our lives easier. So. You know, I'm betting on this future, and I see there's a lot of evolution in the space for exactly these kind of solutions. So, to transition into uh, the project, you know that you're currently uh, working on Felix, which is space, which is a metaverse. Uh, could you uh, explain for our audience, you know, what what space is, and also could you explain some of the basics of metaverse? You know, some of the concepts like virtual lands, assets, NFTs. Actually, uh, I'd like to go one step. Uh, before because this is interesting uh, i was chatting with some friends today uh, colleagues at work and uh, one question that came up was well how do you actually define a metaverse well, what is the definition of a metaverse because i mean you have virtual reality you have augmented reality there are these visions you have roblox avatars there's this, this conflicting visions of in my mind i think what people think of when they think of the word metaverse so i think it'd be nice to kind of define it from our perspective on what 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 we think metaverse is okay i think in the crypto space we have a big talent to overhype certain words (laughs) or to to surf along hype words and i guess the metaverse is one of them 
Um, you know, in many ways, the metaverse is actually not a new a new term. I think we were talking about virtual worlds, gaming worlds, um, you know, things like that before. In fact, actually, I like the the term virtual worlds much more than the metaverse. Then it kind of makes, in a way, clear that you know, augmented reality is if you take a phone and put a layer over the reality, whereas you know, the metaverse is the way I see it more kind of a a virtual world you enter. But to simplify these things, actually the approach we take in space is to say, look, the internet is not the internet, but the internet is kind of an evolution of things that, that, that this technology enables. And, you know, if you look back in 1998, when you wrote your first email, most likely around that time, um, you could never imagine to order an Uber on your iPhone. And, you know, in that sense, I think it's, it's, it's a good idea or it's a good way to look at the metaverse. For now, the way we see it, it's just a 3D, 3D layer that you can put on top of the internet. And so far, the internet has been kind of a 2D experience. You enter a web page, you scroll up and down, you go to a Zoom call. It's always a 2D experience. But now just imagine you can build a world where um, your web page is 3D. You can walk around your web page. You can go up. You can go down. You can jump. Um, and I guess you know that's kind of a very simplified way to explain the metaverse. Cool. Uh, no, I think that's a that's a great uh, starting point. So uh, so with that kind of uh, understanding, so can you kind of like uh, explain how the space project fits in? Is it like uh, tooling for building these 3D worlds or is it something more? Uh, can, can you kind of give us an overview of what, what space is? Absolutely. Also kind of to make uh, one more note here, you know, the metaverse is not the metaverse, but, you know, the metaverse is exactly the thing to say, okay, we put the 3D layer on top of the internet and there's many companies mm-hmm. who are building these 3D layers, right? So there's kind of many projects, there's many different games, that enable you to go into these into these virtual worlds. So what we are doing right. with space in a nutshell is to focus on the commercial side on the metaverse and to build a social commerce metaverse. And I think the social and the commerce are inherently something that can leverage um, Web3 technology. And in specific, we are building this around a few pillars, which is a token, um, land, NFTs, and a DAO. So what we are doing with space is basically um, make it very simple for everybody to create the 3D web page and to create it in a way that you can launch a commercial thing around it. You can launch an art gallery, a shop, an event, a concert. And for that, we do that in a way that we essentially provide um template rooms or templates Mm -hmm. that you can choose from. So let's say you want to build a shop. You go into our builder tool. You say here is 50 different templates. I choose one of them. Now I have, let's say I have t-shirts to sell. So I upload these t-shirts as a 3D asset. I said, please place this t-shirt here, here, and here. This t-shirt one costs X, t-shirt two costs Y, t-shirt three costs Z. And in like 20 minutes, you have uh, created a 3D web page. So in some ways, you know, you can look at us as the Wixify, Shopify, or 
Etsy-fi of metaverses. And the thesis we go in with is to say, you know, this 3D layer is getting big. There will be um, a lot of usage coming in from these gamings. There's a lot of, you know, virtual worlds that are already there. What is missing right now is A, this easy way to build within a metaverse and B, um, bringing commerce to metaverse. And now allow me one last point. I think, you know, this inherently comes together because everybody's talking about immersive experience. And I think this, the immersiveness of, of this is that you now can create kind of human to human experiences, meaning bringing the human back into the internet because you can put somebody who is standing in the store and say, Hey, sir, welcome. How can I help you today? Right? Which is kind of a bit difficult in the internet or which is, you know, nowadays made with a chatbot that does not really feel like you talk to a human. Right. Great. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's a great concept. And, uh, just to dig into a few things over there. So, uh, basically, so you, uh, f- from what I understand it, and the way I understand it is that you've built this, uh, tool, there's a builder tool and you can create, uh, the, use these templates to build shop fronts and, and kind of upload your, uh, uh your, your goods or wares that you want to sell. Uh, and, and, and there are a few threads from there that I'd like to kind of pull. So obviously when you're talking about commerce, uh, the shop front is just the front of it, right? Uh, and the, the, there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, mechanisms and uh, there's a lot of things behind it that, that we have to think about. Well, one could think about, you know, order management systems, uh, supply chains, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh Inventory management, uh, uh, obviously the payments part of it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so does space basically tie, uh, build, uh, bespoke or uh, custom components for all of these or are they kind of like, are we kind of like, uh, uh, going to rely on APIs or other existing, uh, uh, tooling and uh, platforms that, that, that support this stuff? Fantastic question. Look, I think we are 12 months old and a lot has happened in these 12 months. I mean, fact of the matter is right now, everybody's talking about the metaverse and uh, most corporations want the metaverse, but kind of nobody can tell you why (laughs) or how. (laughs) So we decided to start somewhere. And I think this somewhere was saying, okay, let's create some template rooms, meaning some cool shops that you can use and sell your stuff. Let's create some cool rooms that are suited to host an event or host a concert. And let's create some cool rooms where artists can exhibit their art in kind of a museum, museum-y looking way, right? So this is just the start. Uh, of course, I think we are not scalable if we continue to be the ones who are building these rooms. In fact, what we want to do, we provide, you want to provide everybody the tools to create stuff in the metaverse. Actually, what I, what I'm really hyped about is the chance to create jobs in the metaverse. And what I'm predicting is that the metaverse will be one of the biggest job creator in the upcoming years. And why is that? It's the same reason why it has been in the internet. You know, look at, at uh, 1998. There were no web designers. There were no, no social media marketing experts. But in a few years mm-hmm. from now, I bet with you, we will see a lot of 3D web creators, social media, uh, metaverse influencers, 
and all that stuff that we are seeing now, plus a million jobs that we can't even foresee yet. So in short, to answer your question, you know, I want to build a marketplace where people can create template rooms that other companies can say, hey, this is a cool shop, I want to buy this. Or somebody that, you know, needs a 3D web page or a cool experience, say, here, I hired this PR, Metaverse PR agency to create a cool experience for me. Because fact of the matter is, you know, it's not enough to just create a 3D web page and, and hope that people come, you know, I can go to Amazon and buy something. It's, you know, the, the, the add-on, the extra that is exciting. And one of these add-on is kind Absolutely. of this whole 3D experience. But another one is also kind of the new capabilities to now, you know, use digital goods within this virtual world and at the same time get a, a physical goods. So one thing I would really like to discuss maybe in, in, in one of the next questions is, you know, this whole concept of digitals and how this, you know, is kind of evolving what we are, what we are seeing right now and, and giving in new commercial um, opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, actually, that was going to be one of my next questions is, uh, you know, how do you, so uh, when you say you're uploading your uh, goods to the store, uh, obviously, there is uh, the uh, image representations, but I would assume that there is some kind of tie between the digital form and the physical form that, that allows you to kind of say, hey, okay, uh, you know, the owner of this particular piece uh good or art or whatever it is uh there is me and it has changed hands to somebody else and and there's a transaction involved yeah exactly and i think this is really exciting i mean we're kind of approaching that in in many different ways so what we're doing is let's say you um you're selling t-shirts let's stay with this example so you can spin up a shop uh -huh. again in 20 minutes you can sell you can sell the t-shirts that you already sold on Amazon, but you can create it in a way that you can walk into the store, check it out, put somebody in the store that is directly talking to you, you know, kind of consulting you what t-shirt you like or what is the right thing. But now you can do more things. You can, you can, for example, take this t-shirt, say, okay, I want to buy this. We have set up already a fulfillment center um, in the States for now, but we'll globalize that uh, as demand is growing where you can buy the t-shirt, put it in your basket, check out, let it send to you. So you will receive a, a physical t-shirt. You can put it on, wear it in a club and so on. But what we are creating right now is a digital tool. I guess that's the new flashy word that is kind of combining <laughs> physical and digital goods. You can, of course, also just sell a digital t-shirt and you can you know, use that on your, um, on your avatar, avatar, wear it around yeah. in the metaverse and so on. But now you can combine these things. So the way we approach it is to say, okay, why don't we send a physical T-shirt and inside the box you will receive a QR code. You scan that QR code and you mint yourself the digital twin of this T-shirt. And now suddenly you have two different objects that also might have two completely different prices on secondary markets. Whereas you can, you might mm -hmm. be able to resell your physical T-shirt for 20 bucks on eBay. You might be able to resell your digital T-shirt for you know 150 bucks. In fact, you know we are seeing already Nike Nike digital shoes uh, selling for a thousand five hundred bucks. And another thing that is really amazing is you can attach a lot of things on these digital products that you cannot attach on the physical product. So you can, for example, sell a, a digital T-shirt, and you say this digital T-shirt gives you a lifetime ten percent discount code 
or a club entry into the party you always wanted to go. So I know there's like a million new ideas that are coming up and I think we're just at the at the start of experimenting what is possible on a kind of in terms of new business cases. Right, right. Uh, I think that's great. So one of the things, obviously, some of these use cases that you talked about envisage the uh, movement of these digital goods in possibly different spaces, right? So, you, for example, the T-shirt shop, uh, I could buy the T-shirt and get the digital version uh, of the T-shirt, uh, 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 get the QR code and... Uh, my avatar now has a t-shirt, but then I could walk to another part of the metaverse, uh, maybe to another shop and, uh, uh, I know, I don't know, add some, uh, uh, exchange it for something else or sell it for something else, which is basically one of the, uh, use cases there. So, uh, are you looking at kind of like an NFT solution for that? Or is, is there, is there any thought as to, okay, how, how that, that kind of ties in into the underlying infrastructure of the metaverse? Yes, we do. Before I go to answer your NFT question, allow me to dig a little bit more into, you know, just give a few examples of use cases that kind of the metaverse really allows. So imagine you are a concert organizer and you are, you know, running a concert in LA, right? You have kind of a space that enables you to host like a thousand people, meaning you can sell a thousand tickets. You know, now you can kind of live stream this experience into the metaverse and you can say, hey, of course, it's nice to be, you know, in a in a real life concert and it's maybe worth a hundred bucks. But let's just say you film that thing, you manage off, you know, to, to get all the, the licenses you need and so on. And you can sell another million tickets for one dollar. You know, just look at the business case and the scale of this business case. The same goes for the example I just gave with, you know, you can sell a physical good and just for free give on top um, a, a digital good. But now you can kind of program into a smart contract to say every time somebody's reselling this digital goods, I as a company earn 10% of this reselling price. You know, it's just kind of a, a new business case that, you know, you didn't have before. Or let's say you are a yoga teacher, you know, it's more or less the same example, like these, these, these ticketed events. You can have your, your students, but now you can kind of have or access the long tail of internet users. So now coming to your second question, you know, I think a lot of these use cases are circling around what we now call NFTs, which by the way, I also find kind of a very weird term that suddenly everybody's using these kind of nerdy terms to describe something, you know, in a simple way, it's actually, you know, it's, we are, we are giving value to, to digital goods because now we have a way to make these digital goods a unique item um, that is owned by someone due to, you know, kind of a, an address on the blockchain. And we can make sure cryptographically that this item exists only one time, right? So I think in this way, the way we look at it is to say everything in space should be an NFT. The avatar you walk around with, the the hat that he is wearing, the car that he is driving, the house that he's walking around in, you know, and, and in optimal words, this is all owned by the people that are using space. It's not it's not space property, you know, it's it's the user's property. I want that somebody's creating a room, has the ownership on a room and can sell 
this room to someone else or can say this room has a thousand copies and I can sell a thousand copies. You know, and then we as space can create business models around that to say, okay, you're using our platform, we charge you a marketplace fee or whatever it is. But you know, this is why I said at the beginning, it's inherently on uh, driven by a few pillars and the NFT one is definitely one of them where, you know, the trans, the token is kind of the transactional, you know, fuel that all, um, these NFTs are going to be traded with. And of course more. Right. So actually, uh, as you were talking about this, uh, it, it occurred, uh, another thing, significant piece that occurred to me is that, you know, you, uh, as we build this particular idea of a commerce based solution in, in the metaverse, uh, you're, in, in one way, if you look at it, essentially it's a 3D marketplace, correct? So you've got, uh, shops and, uh, uh, sellers and you've got people with goods and you're exchanging goods and all of that. And one of the traditional, and, uh, this is not just for, uh, metaverse and blockchains, but this is in any kind of marketplace. Uh, one of the traditional challenges has always been creating that virtual cycle of, uh, demand and uh, supply, right? So the, the chicken and egg problem of, uh, well, why would anybody come to a marketplace uh, where nobody's buying things? And the other one, which basically is, why would anybody come to a uh, marketplace where nobody's selling anything? So I, I, I see this kind of like as a, it ongoing, it's almost like a, it's a, a, a cliche of every new marketplace. And I'm sure uh, you guys have been thinking about this as well. So how do you actually see yourself solving that uh, for your for your marketplace business? Yeah, I'm actually super happy you asked that question because, you know, I tend to, uh, I'm so excited about all this that I, I usually answer the, the third step before the first step. The one thing I didn't mention about space is that we are um, actually a team that is, that is in some way unique because if you build a metaverse, you realize very fast it's it's not a blockchain solution, it's not a game, and in our case, being a commercial world, it's not just building another another Amazon. It's kind of everything together, and that makes it kind of a monster to build. So in that sense, I'm super happy that we that we have a team that is bringing together really all these different aspects that are required to build a thing like that. Um, we have Vita, who is the co-founder of Somnium Space, which is one of the first or one of the very early virtual worlds. We have Chance, who's the co-founder of Call of Duty. So he's like an expert in the gaming realm and, and in gamification. We have me from Dash, uh, you know, knowing uh, the crypto space very well, knowing how to um, create projects in that space. And we have Batis, who knows very well how to scale companies and how to bring, you know, Web Web 2 companies into uh into scaling. So in this sense, we have like kind of a great mix of, um, of people to build this. And to answer your question, of course, the chicken and egg problem. And I don't think we will be successful if we just build another Amazon to say, or if we, if we assume that suddenly people come and just buy stuff in a 3D environment that you can actually super easy build on Amazon. So I think it's really about these different things we discussed, having new concepts, having new business model, having new jobs, digitals, new jobs as 3D creators and so on. But on the other hand, it's a lot about user retention and getting in user and what I said at the beginning, um, enable people to earn money and have fun. And I think this is where it comes together. Um, 
and where also brands can create new kinds of experience. And what I mean with that is that it's kind of shopping meets gamification. So now, you know, you can just sell a t-shirt. Okay, you can create a nice web page. But what if you can create an amazing immersive experience, right? What if you can kind of sell a Nike shoe and you create an experience where first you have to solve the athletics uh, summer games challenge before you are even able to buy the shoe, right? What if you kind of make it super rare or make it a competition uh, and so on? So one thing we have rolled out to make this very specific is um, a treasure hunt tool that now all our partners are actually free to use. So we can we can place or hide items around our rooms and we can kind of make a challenge for our users to find these items. And only if you have the items, you can enter I don't know, a raffle, a lottery, or be able to buy um, the rare goods. One thing also we realized, you know, it works very well if you if you give opportunities for shops and uh, partners to create new experiences. So one thing we have seen is that we um, sold out a few of our partners by making it kind of an exclusive event to sell a rare t-shirt, to buy a rare t-shirt in the metaverse. You know, so it's really about these new concepts more than just providing tools. It's a combination of concepts, tools, and the ability to, you know, gamify uh, the experience and to immersify the whole experience. That's great. Uh, Felix, before we conclude, uh, I just wanted to mention, you know, that we'll be including all your information in the show notes, but uh, would you like to tell our audience where they can find more information about you, uh, how to get involved, uh, etc.? Of course. Um, first of all, you can find space and all the space channels on tryspace.com. This is T-R-Y space.com. You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, a lot of other platforms. My Twitter handle is Felix Mago Crypto. This is Felix M-A-G-O Crypto. And on Twitter, Felix Mago M-A-G-O. Feel free to reach out. We are very open-armed people, you know, because we come from the space where we know collaboration and partnerships is everything. And it's about leveraging new opportunities for everybody. Awesome. Um, and uh, it just means to thank, thank you for this awesome uh, conversation, uh, Felix. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing great things uh, happen from the space. Uh, company. Thank you so much. These were really great questions. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Once again, that was Felix Margot from Space. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, you can learn more about us at bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.